praise the Lord. Uh, we're going to look at some things together from the Word of God today. We'll start maybe a, a new set of ideas today. We'll see how the Lord leads. Um, yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll go into some few thoughts. But uh, yeah, it's great to be to be back, and I thank God for all of his help and everything. Go with me, please, to Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, and uh, while you're in that neighborhood also, um, keep your finger in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 24. We're going to look at two, uh, two brief scriptures uh, today. Number 1, Philippians chapter 1. In verse 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Again, First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 24. It says, The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. There's two things about these passages. They're kind of similar. But there's two things I want us just to take note of because I think it's significant. Number one, that, that if God started something, God will also finish what he started. Amen. Secondly, uh, we know that God will finish on the evidence that he started. Period. We don't need any further confirmation. If he started, then he will also finish. That means that if you have any testimony in your life of any kind that is evidence to the fact that God has begun anything good in your life, we have the confidence and the assurance that God will finish what he started and somebody said, Amen. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, this is important because uh, we have to pay attention to the language. The one who started is him and the one who finishes it is, is also him. Did you see that? So it removes almost our involvement in the beginning and in the ending. He starts, he finishes. He does not start and we finish. We do not start and he finishes. He starts and he finishes. Everybody say, he starts. He starts. And he also finishes. Now this is very encouraging news on one hand. On the other hand, it raises a, a, another question. Because if it's God who starts and if it's God who finishes, it brings to question what is my role in the equation? Alright? I mean, surely He's the one who's working in me, through me, and for me. But what is my responsibility or what is my role? Because I'm not starting and I'm not finishing. Amen? I would like to introduce a concept today that I believe is the responsibility of all of us. We are not called to start because that's his job. We are not called to finish because that's his job. But we are called to something entirely removed from the starting and the finishing. We are called to a fellowship. 
We are called primarily to a fellowship. We're not called to start. We are not called to finish. We are called to a fellowship. I would like to spend some moments this morning speaking from a subject I have entitled The Fellowship and the Finishing. I thought that was pretty good. Could everybody say the fellowship and the finishing? Hallelujah. Father, in Jesus' name, teach us what it means to finish. Teach us what it means to fellowship. I acknowledge today that my need for your help, speak through me, Father God. And I pray in Jesus' name that we live different from the way that we came in today. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. We are called not to a finishing, but we are called to a fellowship. They asked Jesus, what is the most important commandment? And Jesus responded from the book of Deuteronomy, what's known as the Shema, Shema Israel in Judaism. He said, the greatest commandment and the most important commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. The commandment is not to an assignment, but to an affection, a fellowship. The commandment is to love. And I thought this was interesting because it's important that, that we understand who we're dealing with when we're dealing with God. I think it was A.W. Tozer, who was a pastor and a theologian, and he said, he, he said that, that quote, it says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into our minds when we think about God. Now, uh, me and Edward, and I found actually other people there of like mind, we were in this school program and we're studying. Uh, and we're studying largely, you know, spiritual and theological matters. And it's... it's, it's it's been quite a journey. It's been quite an experience. We learned about who did what when. We learned about the technical parts of Scripture, about how the pieces of uh, uh, Scripture are synchronized together, the themes that we can draw, the principles uh, of the Scriptures. The heavy language that they use is called hermeneutics. It sounds more like a disease than a study of Bible, but let's leave that alone. But it's a deep study of Scripture, all kinds of fancy language, all kinds of definitions we're putting together. And I was, we're going through these volumes, textbooks as big as, I don't know, probably I've been reading like I've never read before. Does it show? And so it's good because this stuff is true. Our Bible stands for itself in the court of law. There's a lot of people who do hard work to confirm and, and, and uh, attest to the accuracy of what we've come to believe as the scriptures. And I thank God for all of that. And, and I think it's good, but I think also if we hang on that alone, there is something missing. And what's missing is we have to understand that this Bible that we hold, it's not just an instruction manual. It is an instruction manual, but it's a lot more than just an instruction manual. This is a love story. Not only is it a love story, it is the most passionate love story that has ever been concocted by anyone, anywhere. This is the story of the great deep desire and the love of God. And there's a passage of scripture that I came across many years ago, and I think I've taught it here. But I think it's a game, t game changer when it comes to the interaction of our, our interaction with the scriptures and how we interpret the Bible. Because if we fail to understand this principle of God, we leave 
The lens by which we view everything else about God, the lens by which we view everything, it's not fully accurate. We need to understand this one point about God. Okay, now I got this a, a while back and it really blessed me. And I think uh, some of you might recognize this because I've said this before. Luke chapter 1 and verse number 76. Now this passage of scripture is the story of Zechariah. If you remember, his mouth was, was closed. He was not able to speak because he failed to believe what the angel told him. And when it was time to name the son, he wrote down that his name will be John. And immediately his tongue was loosed and he began to sing and praise God and prophesy pertaining to what his son was going to do. And in verse 76, Luke chapter 1 verse 76, uh, Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, says these words. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him. To give people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God. By which the rising sun will come to us from heaven. I want to stop right there. It says that all of this salvation and all of this knowledge of the forgiveness of sins, it will come to pass because of the tender mercy of our God. Everybody say tender mercy. Now, tender mercy is a word that when you translate it in the Greek, it comes, the, the, the tender part, it actually is the direct translation is bowels or intestine. And I know it, it sounds almost insulting to talk about our Heavenly Father's bowels and intestines as if He ever had bowels or intestines. I don't think God has a digestive system like human beings, last time I checked. Because He is Creator, not created. Alright, that's another subject. But I don't think it's referring to physical attributes of God here. Praise the Lord. Uh, and if we translate this scripture through a western mindset, we miss a, a lot of the meaning. We understand that scripture was written in a place, space and time that is far removed from where we live and the times in which we live. The scriptures is also very accurate or more similar, I should say, to the Middle Eastern culture and also in many cases the African culture. So, so uh, uh, if we take this at face value, tender mercies of our God, it makes sense. When we enter into the bowels and intestines, generally we do not understand what that's talking about. It sounds kind of disgusting. But, but uh, it's interesting because I, I, I caught something when I was doing this study, that that word for intestines, hallelujah for the intestines, uh, in, in our Amharic language, that's actually, it's not a strange word at all. It's actually a word that we use regularly when we are deeply, deeply moved in the deepest part of who we are. Yeah. You know, I think, I think uh, when we're really, really showing compassion or really, really moved with a, 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 a situation that's either really sad or something that really touches our heart, we don't get touched in the heart. We go even deeper than the heart. Come on, somebody. We go all the way down to the anjit. Now, if somebody is touched in the angent intestine, that means you just got to make room for that person. They make room for that person because that person is going to make a fit. Going to make, I mean, we get deep. Atuya is saying amen because she, she preaches anjet. She preaches from her anjet. All right? Anjet is the Amharic word for intestines. And you can be moved in your heart. That's good. But when you are moved... 
And I thought it was interesting because it makes sense in the Amharic. It doesn't make sense in most other languages. Praise God for the Amharic translation. Now, this is the powerful thing. This is the description of not our feelings for a child who falls down or a very sad situation. This is the description of our heavenly father toward us. The reason he saved us. The reason he made the way to intervene in our lives and in our, condi in our condition is that he was moved all the way down to the intestines. I know that sounds gross, but just say, Amen. That's a deep move. You don't get any more deeply moved. So God was not filling out a contractual agreement when he decided to pay the price to save your life. He was touched in the deepest part that could ever be touched. And he could not stand still. He had to do something. And he moved with an action that is beyond human description because he was touched in a way that is so deep in the innermost parts of his being. Hallelujah. And see, you cannot really understand God until you understand God like that. And he was not calling us to have a theological debate with him. He was calling us to have a similar deep fellowship. Hallelujah. Anjet lanjet. Hallelujah. Fellowship with Almighty God. Whew. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen, amen. Because of the tender mercies of our God. The Bible says... You know, we, we see this idea of the tender mercies. It explains a lot of the, the things that why God did what he did. In 2 Samuel, I love this verse. It says, like water spilled on the ground, so all of us must die. But God did not desire that any of us should perish. So he devised a way so that the banished person will not remain estranged from him. Hallelujah. Now, see, we can understand what he did. And that's powerful. But when you understand why he did what he did, that's another level. Amen. He did not. And so you see this language of he did not desire. So he devised a way so that the one who is far will be not far from him anymore. Hallelujah. Because his anjet was moved to the point that he wanted us close. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. He, he, he established the tabernacle for Moses. And I thought the, the translation of the word tabernacle is so powerful because it further highlights this, this uh, the deep, deep tender mercies of our God. The word tabernacle means dwelling place. Mean that God wanted to dwell with us and he set up the tabernacle right in the middle of the children of Israel. It was the place where the actual tangible presence of God lived among his people. It was the only time when the presence of God came down since the Garden of Eden. Hallelujah. And he dwelled and tabernacled, dwelt right in the midst of his people. Why? Because of the tender mercies of our God. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. The Song of Solomon is a, it's a love story. It's the story of the lover and the beloved. And it talks about the kind of relationship that these two have. The, the marriage relationship, the marriage covenant, it is the deepest of human emotions. It engages everything and everybody and it messes you up. It will make you do things that you normally don't do. I found this to be the case more so in the courting season than after the wedding day. For the record. All right. But, but people, be, they become crazy. They, I've seen people completely learn new languages. Fluent. 
But, but love causes people, when people are deeply moved in love, the lover and the beloved, that's another level. You don't write about that. You don't sit down and preach about that. That is something that is beyond description. Those of you who have ever been in love. Okay. Everybody bow your heads and let's pray for this church. <laughs> love is more than intellectual. Love is even, true love is even more than the heart. Mm. Now, unfortunately, you know, we have a picture of heart, love, Valentine's Day. Have you noticed that there is no such thing as a picture of an intestine for Valentine's Day? <laughs> it might send the wrong message. But just for the record, that is what true love is. True love is beyond human description and it goes deep. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. Now, now this is why when God wants to use people or call people, he doesn't call us to finish a task. He calls us to a fellowship. When Jesus was calling the 12 disciples, Mark chapter 3 says, He called them to Himself so that they might be with Him. And then after they were with Him, then He sent them out to go and preach. See, you cannot go and preach for Him unless you have first been with Him. And establish some kind of a fellowship with Him. And understand the deep tender mercies of our God. Hallelujah. Because in reality, the only message, message that we are giving the world is the tender mercies of our God. When Peter was being commissioned after he messed up, God was restoring him. You remember, he, he, he was commissioning him to his assignment and he did not say, now sit down, Peter, this is the, you know, like mission impossible. They call him, this is the mission. This is the bad guy. This is the strategy. And we have to make sure you do it. Do you think you can do it? Peter, Peter was being commissioned. All right? And he did not call him for a, a, a to-do list that you check off. He said, Peter, do you love me? Ooh, hallelujah. And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. No, 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 Peter, do you really love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Why are you spending? Finally, Peter got frustrated. Why do you keep asking me, do you love me? I've told you that I love you. How much more do you need to hear? How, what way would you like to, to understand this language? And then he said, after he said, that, do you love me? He says, now you can go and feed my sheep. Ooh, hallelujah. Because this is not a to-do list that you tick off. This is the overflow of a love relationship. You have to understand tender mercies. You under, have to understand not the technical parts of the mechanics of the soteriology. That's a fancy word for salvation studies. It is deeper than a study. It is a deep anjit that doesn't even have human explanation. In fact, the Bible had to create, uh, there was no word to create or, or to describe this love of God. And so there is a completely new category that was created for this love called agape. It is a love outside of the ordinary, the love of God, the deep bowels of God moved at the inner port, most parts. If you do not know that fellowship, you cannot really serve the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen? Amen, amen? Yeah, it's good to know. It's important to know. In fact, I believe it's everything. Um, I'd like us to take a case study in studying this whole concept, the, the life and the ministry of David. David was a man who understood the fellowship of God. David, the Bible says, speaking of David, it says in, in Acts chapter 13, that David served God's purpose in his generation and then he fell asleep. Is that not what it says? David served God's purpose in his generation, and then he fell asleep. 
it almost makes it look like uh, there was a task, like homework at school, David turned in his homework, and then he fell asleep. And the challenge for most of us, we read that and we say, what is my homework assignment? So that I can fulfill the, the, the to-do list just like David did and fall asleep. And that's the question we get. I worked with young people for many years, and the question is always, what is God's call for my life? If I just know what God wants me to do, then I can do it. Then we'll have peace with God. Then I can check out, hallelujah, and we finish our task. And then when it says, my, my name comes in, the, in, the, in eternity, when my name gets called, it will say of me, just like it said of David, so-and-so fulfilled God's purpose. All right? But... I think when you really understand the life of David, his life was not consumed by a task. David was described by God himself as a man after my own heart. In fact, in Psalm 27 and verse 4, the Bible says, speaking of, of, of David, uh, he said, uh, One thing I have desired, and this one thing I seek, that I will complete the report that the Lord gave me to do before noon. And turn it in to the teacher at the end of the school day before I get in trouble for not. He said, one thing I desire and this I seek, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. And then what? Nothing. That's it. And this is the lesson that I found from David, that if we focus on our fellowship strong, God will focus on our finishing strong. Because David sought God in an unusual way. And God established his finishing in an unusual way. Whew, hallelujah. I'm talking about the tender mercies of our God today. Hallelujah. I'm talking about the deep passion and desire of God. And I want to remind somebody that he has not called you to an assignment. He has called you to a fellowship. He has called you to a love relationship. He has called you to have a deep fellowship with him in the spirit. My beloved, the, the lover and the beloved, somebody said, Amen. Praise the Lord. I want you to consider the degree to which... David, David, God kept his promise to David. I love this, this passage in 2 Samuel chapter 7. Uh, let's begin verses 1 to 5. I like the whole passage, but it's a bit long. So I would like us to skip through the reading a little bit. 2 Samuel chapter 7 verse 1. 2 Samuel chapter 7 verse 1. This is David speaking, or, or the story of David. After the king was settled in his palace... And the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him. He said to Nathan the prophet, Here I am, living in a palace of cedar, while the ark of God remains in a tent. Nathan replied to the king, Whatever you have in mind, go ahead and do it, for the Lord is with you. That night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord says. Are you the one to build me a house to dwell in? Now skip down to verse number 8. It says, Now then, tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pasture and from, the, and from following the flock to be ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have cut off all your enemies from before you. Now... 
I will make your name great, like the names of the greatest men on earth. Now jump down to verse 11. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. And verse number, let's jump to verse number 16. Your house, your kingdom, and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. Nathan reported to David all the words of this entire revelation. Praise the Lord. Uh, notice that in this passage, David had nothing but a desire of his heart to do something for the Lord. He said, here I am living in a palace of cedar. The ark of God is dwelling in a tent. He did not say, let me build a palace for the, the ark of God. He did not say, let's do something about it. He was just contemplating, the comparing and contrasting the two. He had an intent in his heart to do something for God. He didn't put plans to paper. He didn't call the architects and the designers. He was just considering, thinking out loud. You know, the Bible says man looks at outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. He was just considering, I live in a palace. God, God lives in in the ark of God lives in a tent. And Nathan heard him and said, do whatever you had in mind to do. He didn't say he was going to do anything. You just fill in the gaps. You draw the conclusions that David had a deep desire to do something for God. And when God saw the attitude and the heart of David to do something for God, he says, stop right there, David. You're not going to do this. Instead, let me do something for you. I will establish your throne forever, David. I will make your, your house, I will build your house and make your house and your descendants and your seed to be established forever. Your line, your posterity, your family, your blessing will be an everlasting blessing. Because you had this in your heart, David, I'm going to go crazy over you now. You know, Jesus is sitting on a throne right now. Do you know the name of that throne? David's throne. You don't get a more place of privilege than the throne hallelujah it tells me that God is a God of the heart God is the God of the intention God saw the heart of David and he said I'm gonna bless you something that you've never seen before not only am I gonna bless you I'm gonna bless your descendants after you in fact the Bible says several years down the road several generations later when the descendants of David and the kings of Judah when they messed up and when they made mistakes when they even turned away from the Lord God says I really should destroy you completely and rid you from the rid the earth of you but because of your serve my servant your father David I have preserved you because his heart pleased me you get some mercy on his behalf hallelujah I think what I'm learning here is that if I work on my fellowship God will work on my finishing and if I work on my fellowship strong he will work on my finishing strong. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the one who starts the work. He is the one who finishes the work. We don't start, we don't finish, but we do fellowship. 
Hallelujah. And our fellowship needs to go up to another level today. Because God works through that fellowship. God works through that intimacy. God says, I am the lover. You are my beloved. Hallelujah. There are technical parts of God that work. But there are times when you need to take the technical, put it on the side, and say, one thing have I desired. And this one thing I seek. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you following what I'm saying today? The only reason we have been saved is because God had a deep, deep bowel, passion, anjet, mansafef, Jesus help us in here, over your condition. This is what the cross is all about. And it tells us that deep intestinal passion, it requires some form of payment. It's not words because talk is cheap. It demands action. Hallelujah. Today I want to remind you that the Bible says that God demonstrated his love for us in this. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Hallelujah. It is a deep love. It is a conquering love. It is a victorious love. It is a love that does not make sense. Hallelujah. We are called to fellowship. We are called to know him. Do you love him this morning? Do you have any heart desire to be with him this morning? Is there a cry in your heart to say, I am my beloved's and he is mine? Hallelujah. Because when we step into that level of relationship with God, our finishing is no longer our concern. Hallelujah. I think I just felt a stress drop off somebody just like that. Because they were concerned about this thing called the will of God. Your plan can be foolish, but if your passion for God, your love for God is great. Hallelujah. He can fill the gaps. He can make it look beautiful in the end. In fact, if you read the story of David, David was a strong and mighty king, so passionate for blessing God, but he was also just as equally passionate for messing up. Whew. Lord, help us. I'm not going to preach that side of the story. All right? My point today is God is passionate. He is not theoretical. He is not intellectual. He checks off all the boxes when it comes to those departments but God is a God of tender mercies he is a God who loves with great passion he is a love that a God who loves to the end of the end of the end hallelujah today the tender mercies come to us today the tender mercies are here and today I felt it would be so powerful if we could instead of sit there and listen to a lecture about God and say bravo. That if we could just return the favor to God and tell God how much we love him today. Come with all your mess. Come with all your issues and just say God it's me today. Hallelujah. Here I am. I have an intention to worship you. I have an intention to fellowship with you. Whew, hallelujah. Jesus told the Samaritan woman that there is coming a time and the time has now come. When the true worshipers will worship in study and in theology training. What theology training did the Samaritan woman have? Zero. But she passed because she understood the deep bowels and the deep compassion of God. May God reveal to us today. Hallelujah. May God reveal to us today the deep passion of, of our God. May we see him through different eyes today. Because when we see him in this way, it changes how we see and interact with everything. Hallelujah. The Bible is more than instruction manual. The Bible, the blood of Jesus is more than a chemistry experiment. These are the deep bowels of love that have been demonstrated. And today, church is not going to sit there and be quiet. 
Today, church is going to respond to God. Hallelujah. So I would like everybody in the building to stand up on your feet. I would like everybody today to forget about your neighbor. I would like everybody just to lift a hand and just return to God. Hallelujah. Say, I am my beloved and he is mine. That this is not a contractual agreement. This is not a, I accept your offer and make it to heaven someday. This is an assignment from heaven that we would fulfill God's purpose in our time and in our generation. To love the Lord our God with all that is within us. Hallelujah. That we would lift up our hearts as we lift up our hands today. I know some of us feel unworthy. Welcome to the club. This is not about being worthy. This is about saying, yes, Lord, it's me also. I'm willing to return a fellowship. This is not a religious institution that God established. It's purely relational. It is beloved and beloved. Go ahead, open your mouth and begin to praise him. Hallelujah. Father, I also desire fellowship. Father, I also desire to know you. Hallelujah. You will start this thing and you will finish this thing. But in the meantime, I will worship you. I will give you a praise. I will glorify you. I will lift your name. Hallelujah. I will bring a sacrifice of praise today. Hallelujah. I know it's not fully fitting in some areas of my life. But you are worthy regardless. You are the king of kings. You are the lover of my soul. Hallelujah. Let a sound arise from the house of God. Hallelujah. That declares his lordship. That declares his majesty. That declares our love and our need for him. Hallelujah. Father, we, we ask that you would not show us what we need to do by way of project, but that you would reveal yourself to us so that we may worship you more that we may fellowship with you more. Father God, without that, even what we do has holes in it. Father God, teach us what it means to fellowship with you. Teach us what it means to know you. Father God, receive the praise of your people. Receive the worship of your people. May it come up from earth today like a sweet-smelling savor, Father God. Let it reach the very throne room of heaven, Father God. And I pray, Father God, that you would so anchor yourselves in our lives by way of presence. Father God, that it would satisfy, that you would quench the cry of the thirsty today, that you would be water in the desert today. Father God, I thank you for you are touching even your people now, both what we can hear and see, but even what we cannot see. Father, you are worthy of all the praise. We give it to you all right now. Heal us in your presence, Father God. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you today. Uh, Paul closed his letters this way. Is may the grace of the Lord Jesus, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all. Have a wonderful week in the Lord.